Santa Vista. What about a bonus episode? It's just for the fellas. Take that, ladies. Always <laughs> <laughs> trying to stop us from having fun. That's right. Three men, one plan, not sanctified by the US government in any official sense, but we are going to uh, overthrow... Uh, some South American country. Haven't worked it out yet. Ooh. Plan's still in the... Still, uh, you know, it could go either way. But the important thing is we keep a morale up. We're all at Red Lobster having our, <laughs> <laughs> having our illegal overthrow of a, of a sovereign government uh, pre-meal. I'm Theo. Um, I am, of course, uh, actually and legitimately allergic to shellfish. <laughs> So I'm not having, not having a good time. It's weird because you picked the restaurant too. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just seemed like you guys really wanted to go, and by that point, you know, there's more effort to. <sighs> anyway, um, and of course, I'm here with uh, with Ben, who's already uh, try- just trying to decide on a safe word that he can say when he is immediately captured um, by the uh, by the incumbent government. How are you, Ben? I'm good. I um, you know, I. I thought I kind of had two things that I could do before we did this. Uh, I guess you'd call it an incursion almost. Uh, and I could have trained and prepared and, yeah. you know, bought a type of gun that wasn't an airsoft rifle. Yeah, done a, done a whole bunch of groundwork, you know, really primed the pump for um, getting people um, of the of the land to rise up against their oppressive overlords and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I, I saw that option. I thought yeah. that seemed pretty good. But I also thought it would be a really good idea uh, to take a lot of uh, borderline homoerotic shirtless pics of myself <laughs> and upload them to our private security <laughs> company's Instagram with about 25 hashtags. Now, now that is getting good engagement, though. <laughs> I have no, to say, on, guys, on measure. Did you guys see that post? <laughs> I've like, seen a lot. Okay, so what's the... So the mercenary group is called... Uh, it's silver, 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 silver core, silver, silver core. core. It's there's no s at the end. Does that make hmm. it silver corp? Silver core. I so think. it's it's silver whatever that which word is, is USA. distinct from silver corpse, which several of them are now. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, there, there's another company that's just called Silver Corp, and they're not it. This is uh, Silver Corp slash Core USA. Just to make that clear. Yeah. And also, just to make it clear, in this scenario, um, the same person that is making social media posts um, with hashtag influencer is also the person organizing and leading an armed rebellion. And also, before undertaking this top secret armed rebellion, uh, is also adding President of the United States, Donald Trump, on their public Twitter profile to let them know that they're about to invade Venezuela. Just hands up. Just replying with the, with the SpongeBob image. I'm a head out. <laughs> uh, of course, that that was Andrew in the background there as well. Now he has just done the two finger um, face paint oh, thing yeah. from Predator, and he's immediately using uh, the face paint covered fingers to excavate a lobster tail without washing them. How are you, Andrew? I'm good, I'm good. I'm going to do a big stripe on my right cheek, big stripe on my left cheek, big stripe across the forehead, one down my nose, all over my chin, and now I'm just filling in all the spaces in between. <laughs> one oh, no. long stripe down your dick. 
<laughs> Uttering your famous catchphrase, I have heaps of time to bleed. Yes. <laughs> I will defeat the Predator in Mortal Kombat. Oh, man. Watched uh, Predator 2 again recently. How's that go? Not great. It's certainly not, not as good as Predator 1, which Predator is a one is perfect classic. movie. As far as, it, as far as Predator movies go, you can't go past the movie Predator. That's so true. I think That's it's so arguably uh, every Predator movie is worse than the last. Of the, of oh, the two movies called oh. Predator, it's by far the best. Well, I mean, you've got your Predator, you've got mm-hmm. your Predator 2, you've got your Alien vs. Predator, you've That's got right. your Alien vs. Predator Requiem, and then you've got your Predators. Oh, it's Predators. Predators. Well, there's, mm. there's Predators and The Predator. The Predator. Wait, what the fuck is that one? Well, That's the Shane Black one. That is the written by Shane Black, but not directed by him. Hmm. One that came out oh, not too long ago. I forgot about that entirely. Yeah, everybody now, did. <laughs> well, there's there's... One glaring issue with that movie, which I will say is is far superior to Predator 2, Alien vs. Predator, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, uh, and probably... The Alien vs. Predator video games. Yeah. Well, Alien vs. Predator those Colonial were quite Marines. Um, didn't, didn't the Alien vs. Predator video game bankrupt a company with how bad it was? Oh, I thought it was great. I was a teen when I played it, though, and teens are very bad at telling when things are bad. You, you might be thinking of, um, yeah, the not not the main series, but the one that Gearbox bought. Fuck. Colonial Marines. I said it ah, not 30 seconds ago. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> uh, so, so, The Predator has, has a bunch of um, fun, interesting concepts in it. It's got uh, Jake Busey, uh, along with Predator 2's Gary Busey, you know. It's got a Jake Busey, his big Busey-toothed son. Mm-hmm. It's got a Keegan-Michael Key. It's got Thomas Jane. It's got a um, bunch, of, bunch of fun people. It's got some snappy Shane Black-type dialogue. Uh, they introduce some fun concepts about uh, the reason that predators pull the spines out of things is because they're harvesting the DNA from different things and suffusing it into their own race. No, I don't bigger. like that. Bigger and more superior predators. They got big predator dogs and stuff. Um, some fun new ideas. The main problem with the movie. Oh no! I think I might see what this is just from having a skim of the Wikipedia article. About we it. may have spoken about this before, but the main problem with the movie is that the lead character has a son, mm-hmm. whose role in the movie is to function as basically the kid from the like late '90s Bruce Willis movie Mercury Rising. Oh, that's a good one. Where is it? Go no. back and watch it again. <laughs> Go back and watch it again for the portrayal of the highly autistic kid as played by the uh, kid in Kindergarten Cop who says boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Uh, because basically... Oh, I they... thought it was Haley Joel Osment. Is it? Maybe it is. Yeah, I thought it was as well. Hmm. Um, but anyway, they do... The... So the kid's like, you know, full Rain Man and everything. Um and cracks a code, which is what makes the, the government want to kill him. No, it's definitely the kid who says, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina, in kindergarten go. cop. Oh. Um, bad portrayal. Oh, He's, he speaks like a robot, all that sort of shit. Now, this kid is a lot like this in The Predator. Um except, so, so like, you know, he's, he's bad at social interactions. He's 
uh, freaked out by loud noises and he starts doing the Dustin Hoffman in Rain, ha- Rain Man, hands over his ears, screeching kind of stuff. Um, he, he, but he can easily use Predator technology, which is what draws them to him. Somehow, over the course of the movie and being exposed to a series of gunfights, explosions, and horrific violence, by the end of the movie, the kid's just kind of not autistic anymore. (laughs) He's just like, what's up, dad? I'm fine now. Leading me to believe... I fixed my brain through combat. Well, there's, there's a very troubling suggestion of, you know, sometimes you just gotta get your highly autistic son to snap out of it. Oh boy. By making them fight oh, the no. or many predators. <laughs> it's it's really oh, bad. Cuz cuz the the two possibilities, they're both bad. The two possibilities are number 1, it was written like that on purpose as like, hey, maybe some of these autistic kids are just shy or whatever. <laughs> they need to get out of their shell through combat. Um, and the other possibility is they started off writing it like that and then they just kind of got bored of it during the movie or forgot about it by the end. Both of these things are not fantastic options. Like what halfway through filming, they're like, oh, this is actually a, a, a drag. It's kind yeah. of a bad look when you think about it. What if we just made him cool at the end? <sighs> you know? Boy. Uh, but anyway, that one's better than Predator 2. <coughs> okay. <laughs> And this has been Predator Corner. Speaking of highly advanced alien technology, we got some technology <laughs> of our own happening. <laughs> so there's okay. So there's yep. several ways you could have gotten from uh, what we were talking about to this is the uh, themes of being utterly morally compromised, mm-hmm. um, illegal incursions, mm-hmm. um, catching predators. Um, or mega racism. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's way better. But what was the so? But you went with. Uh, what did I go with? Um, advanced advanced alien advanced technology. Alien technology. Hmm. Which arguably <laughs> this is not. And I have no. To this criticize. is human technology. Yeah. Well, um, by humans on humans for humans for for humans. Well, let me put this to you: uh, they can't all be winners. No, some of them just have to be tech phrenology. <laughs> so, um, so you know how we love a bit of phrenology, accidental or otherwise. I have to get the virtual calipers out <laughs> on this show. Um, this this story is quite reminiscent of another one that we had a while ago. Um, so this was about a, a Harrisburg University professors and a PhD student. Who have developed, I am now reading from a, uh, from a press release from the university, which has for some reason been deleted. Mm. Hmm. Let's read it and see if we can figure out why they deleted it. A group of Harrisburg University professors and a PhD student have developed automated computer facial recognition software capable of predicting whether someone is likely going to be a criminal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so right off the bat. <laughs> Strong opening. Probably a few issues there. Um, predicting criminality, not great. Yeah, so this is not identifying people that are criminals using facial recognition. It's not like they've got a database of existing criminals and they're going, oh, we found him. There's that criminal. This is, is people. Someone who is likely to become a criminal. Uh huh. 
Um, so it goes on to say, let's see if this gets better or maybe worse, you know? Uh, it goes on to say, with 80% accuracy, mwah, and with no racial bias, <laughs> it says very loudly. Oh, for no. You just know that the fact that they've mentioned that means that it's extremely racist. The like software, it's, yeah. It's more alarming that they said it has no racial bias than if they had remained completely silent. Um, yes. We're predicting <laughs> if someone's going to be a criminal, and it's not on the basis of their race. <laughs> as hard as that is to believe. Uh, so with 80% accuracy and no racial bias, the software can predict if someone is a criminal, Then we, now we've moved on to is a criminal, based solely on a picture of their face. The software is intended to help law enforcement prevent crime. Mm. Now I'm very mm. curious about this because I believe in a great little movie called Minority Report, they investigate the ideas of what would happen if you could predict a crime before it took place. And that all and, worked um, out very well for everybody, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, like, so let's let's break this down for a second. Um, ignoring the fact that it's clearly just going to um, light up a big light every time you put a picture of a person of color in there. Um, how how exactly can they a predict if someone is a criminal or is? I f- I feel like we jumped very quickly from likely going to be a criminal to is a criminal and that this somehow is going to help law enforcement prevent crime we are going what are we going to do we're going to we're going to run a bunch of people's faces through this thing and then say hey um here's a whole bunch of people who haven't done anything wrong and now the police should surveil them in case they look like they're maybe going to commit a crime yeah and also the fun part is the um if it, if this is twenty eighty percent accurate, which of course it is not, that's that's complete diarrhea. Um, you got to have a lot of fun just thinking about that twenty percent who are just getting tailed like twenty four seven by police um, because they've got the crime face. So like, I'm I'm just looking at the wording here. My suspicion is, all right. So they've the the first way they've said it is it's recognition software capable of predicting whether someone is likely going to be criminal, and then. With eighty percent accuracy and not racist, the software can predict if someone is a criminal. So I think Can't what stress they're talking this enough, about not racist, not racist. What I think they're saying is that in the second sentence, they're saying they've got eighty percent accuracy, maybe feeding it a data set of people that have committed crimes, but they're saying that it's also capable of using that data to predict if people are going to commit crimes. Does that make sense? What I'm saying that they've trained it on criminal faces and not criminal faces and then because they've found what a criminal looks like they can use it to feed on any face and then gauge whether they might be or might become a criminal yeah i mean but but again what what does this information do for the police well you just shoot them uh <laughs> you know if you get a little blip and you just go oh, yeah. oof, oh here we go. Gonna be you're gonna be right 80 percent of the time <laughs> but the fun the fun part is is that if you shoot them, you can just say that they were going to be a criminal. There's no way that they can test that theory. That's true. It's perfect. It's ironclad. <laughs> Crime would be way down if everybody was dead. <laughs> every, Not even a suspected criminal, if every potential criminal was dead. And with an 80% success rate, you can't argue with those numbers. 
So, uh, PhD student and NYPD veteran Jonathan W. Corn with a K <laughs> like the band. Jonathan <laughs> W. Corn. That's so you don't confuse him with all the other Jonathan Corns. This is just like if you were having a bad time remembering the name of the lead singer of Corn, that is what you would say. Straight up. Oh, you know, it's, uh, what's his name? Fucking uh, Jonathan Corn. My goodness. Old Johnny Corn. Johnny K. <laughs> Uh, Professor Nathaniel J.S. Ashby and Professor Ruzbe Sadagin, very small font, can't tell that's an I or an L, uh, titled their research, A Deep Neural Network Model to Predict Criminality Using Image Processing. This kind of makes me think of our old friend, the vet, who could point his laser at a <laughs> photo of someone and tell if they have coronavirus. Very cool. Well, no, this uses machine learning, which is perfect. Yeah, see, yes. that guy was an insane <laughs> crackpot. Yeah, no, no. These this guys is are science. academics. Flawless machine learning. Uh, they say, we already know machine learning techniques can outperform humans on a variety of tasks related to facial recognition and emotion detection. Sh- sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but- <Let's- laughs> Strictly speaking, I'm not actually sure if that's true, but even if it, even if it was... Okay? Yeah, what's what's the relation to crime? They say, This research indicates just how powerful these tools are by showing they can extract minute features in an image that are highly predictive of criminality. Eyebrows too close together. Uh, hazel eyes. A large tattoo on the forehead saying, I will commit a crime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> unless stopped. Uh... The entirety of the team's research will appear in a future book series titled Springer Nature Research Book Series Transactions on Computational Science and Computational Intelligence. By automating the identification of potential threats without bias, especially racial bias, our aim is to produce tools for crime prevention, law enforcement, and military applications that are less impacted by implicit biases and emotional responses, Ashby said. Our next step is finding strategic partners to advance this mission. How, how does this Pentagon? Pentagon. How, how do you <laughs> how do you get to this point in a in a university in the year of twenty twenty, um, putting forward machine learning that's going to produce a predictor of criminality based on your input data, and put in a press release for your university that it does not contain bias. How do you, how is this how how did they get to this point? Like this is this is clown shoes stuff. Well, again though, if we're talking about I I I can't get past the central conceit of this, right? Like maybe I would feel differently if they were saying we can use like um we can use machine learning um emotion detection and all that sort of stuff to scan like interview footage of a suspect in real time and tell you if somebody has all of the physiological like indicators of someone who is lying to you or something like that if it was was something you could look at and say like uh, and i'm still saying that would 1000 percent be a bullshit thing to try and apply in an actual situation that was going to have any impact on someone's life absolutely but but i'll say that that um you know Putting forward a thesis um, 
90% of theses are just total bullshit, right? So you could just put forward, hey, I'm going to do a, um, I'm going to train uh, a neural network on a whole bunch of things and we'll see whether we can get a predictor out to see whether they're going to be a criminal in the future, blah, blah. And they'll say, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's fine. You do it and at the end you say, no, it doesn't work. And they give you a six and you move on with your life. How could you even prove that it did work? Would you have to do one of those well, like seven up, would... 16 up things? You check back in with every person that you looked at? Well, no, no, at. no. You, you would have photos that were old. So you would have a large data set of, oh, of photos. Yeah. And out of and out of that, um, you know, you would use, you train your neural network on that. You produce the probabilities. You do some, some Bayesian kind of stuff to work out. Well, if the percentage of this is this, then this is your thing. And then at the oh, end, you get a number that's completely unreliable accuracy. and you'd be like, well, that didn't work. And then you get your PhD and you move on with your life. Like, I just want to know, like, I get that these are, you know, largely computer scientists and they're the way neural networks work when you train them is you're meant to kind of treat them like a black box, right? That you just train them. And if the results get to a certain level of accuracy, you go, great, it works. But surely at some point you would have to stop and think and be like, Okay, what is this honing in on? Like the they mention yeah. what am I attempting to do here? Yeah, like so there's a part here where they say uh, a variety of tasks related to facial recognition and emotion detection. Is what they're honing in on the criminal mindset? The crimin- like <laughs> there is an emotion associated with crime. Well, this also I think this also comes back worryingly enough to the concept of the crime gene. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that, that people can be genetically predisposed to committing a crime. Um, yeah, like, so, so I guess what I was saying before was I, you would at least be able to see some connection between a proposed application of this technology if they were talking about something like, you know, we could tell you when somebody's lying or what, whatever the fuck it might be. In this situation, even if it was actually true, even if it was a real thing, which it's 100% not, if the thing you're, you're doing is like look, able to say, hey, well, let's point this at, you know, surveillance footage or whatever. And now we can say that we are, you know, mostly confident that this person we're looking at who has no criminal record and has never done anything wrong as far as we know, um, we, we predict that they're going to commit a crime at some point. What is anyone supposed to do with that information? Beyond, say, let's use it as a reason to further expand surveillance of people by saying, oh, we have, you know, evidence-based. This is despite the fact that, as, as you know, I think most people are aware, the last couple of decades have just seen this complete collapse of the concept of, like, forensic science as evidence to use in a courtroom. Like the 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 amount of stuff now where people look at it and go, oh yeah, the whole that whole like fingerprint analysis thing, that whole like fi- you know sweeping a a house and finding a hair, turns out pretty much all bullshit. Uh, wasn't there a whole bunch of stuff about like ballistics science largely being bullshit in terms of identifying guns? Um, and- um what's the the arson science is completely just made up by a couple of guys in the FBI um and awesome. so on and so forth which is which is why i think that the target audience for this bullshit is not actually police um because they can't do anything with it the target audience for this is insurance companies 
make it impossible for you to get insured if you've got the crime face. Sorry, sir, you have crime face. You've got crime face. You've got. Uh, our system flagged you for crime face. So no, it says it says here uh, you've got here. one of the worst cases of crime face that the system's ever seen. It's a two point seven crime face rating. That's most people are under point three. So yep. that is off the charts. So. I mean, Richard Gere is a point four, and you're you're sitting around, uh, you know, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> you want to be closer to Richard Gere. Um, although, you know, as they do say in here, that their aim is to produce tools for crime prevention, law enforcement, and military application that are less impacted by implicit biases and emotional responses. And I, I would take from that, as far as like law enforcement and military applica- applications goes, they're saying we're seeking to extend this into something where we can say, hey, uh, is this... Arab or black person definitely a criminal and that's without the Boston cops opinion (laughs) this is backed by science we pointed a computer at the person and the big light went on so it's not just officer O'Shaughnessy over here no, well, the next the next stage is a uh, is an AI that's trained by a Boston cop (laughs) to find criminals oh my goodness Um, I feel like I would be missing out at this point to not mention uh, a new ad- additional bonus podcast that is available to all of our wonderful subscribers, which is me and Riley from Trash Future recapping season five of the forensics and like for- forensic <laughs> archaeology TV show, Bones. Now, the show is called Bones mm-hmm. because it's about bones. Let me Let me tell you, buddy. It works in a lot of different ways because the lead character of the show is forensic anthropologist Dr. Temperance Bones Brennan. So her nickname is Bones, but also a lot of the crimes have have bones in them. A lot of bone-related activity. That's a good title and no bones about it. (sighs) How are you doing, Ben? I'm actually looking at one of my old tweets uh, that was about the title of the show, Bones, and I was trying to remember because one person replied to it super negatively, and they just told me to shut the fuck up, and that it was lazy and not funny, and I'm trying to find that. Uh, the okay. tweet was, Bones from the TV show Bones is called Bones because she's obsessed with bones. If I was in a procedural crime TV show, I would be called Beers. Uh <laughs> Now that's a good tweet. Oh, I think they must have deleted their account or something, but it was sort of <laughs> just being like, this isn't funny. And I was just like, oh, it's like... No need to be rude about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, that stuck with me. Uh, I will never forget someone disrespecting me like that. Well, I hope you're okay. I will be. Now, they do say in their statement here... Um, oh, so there's a bit of an explaining here. Yeah, they want to automate the identification of potential threats without bias. This is so that you can put it at those um, roadblocks at the green zone in Iraq and just point them down the street so that um, it'll give you the green light to like fire on a van that's driving towards you. And then you can say, well, you know, the neural network predicted with 80% accuracy that this person was a criminal. No racial bias. No racial bias, you say. Uh, crime is one of the most prominent issues in modern society. Okay, I would say it isn't. I would say it isn't. I would say like, uh, ha- like generally, haven't. 
crime rate's been going down in countries like Australia. That's and... such a like vaguely meaningless thing to say as well. Like, uh, that's the sort of thing that someone who was writing like a high school paper would say. Crime is one of the most prominent issues in modern society. Qualify that statement. That doesn't mean anything. I would say that um, Marvel movies are one of the most prominent issues in modern mm. society. Mm. You know, for for whatever reason, not a good one, but I I would say people talk about Marvel movies more than they talk about crime. That's sitting yeah. on the toilet seat it when it's really cold. Oh no, thank you. That's like a really prominent, widespread issue that we all have to deal with. We're just getting to that time of year down in Canberra. Oh, I'm, not look- I'm not looking forward to the one week where that happens to me. <laughs> the development of machines that are capable of performing cognitive tasks, such as identifying the criminality of person from their facial image, will enable a significant advantage for law enforcement agencies and other intelligence agencies to prevent crime from occurring in their designated areas. 1,000% for no reason other than to get a warrant to surveil someone who hasn't done anything. Yeah, it's, it's fucking insane. As you said, like, what is the thing that they can do with this information? Walk up to someone and be like, oh, sorry, um... The app on my phone says you're about to commit a crime, so uh, I'm going to have to throw you in jail. Going to have to take you off the streets. Sorry, no. The app on my phone says there's a four in five chance you're about to commit a crime. Let me throw you in jail. (laughs) Uh, So they've actually removed this from their website and provided a little update here. The news release outlining research titled A Deep Neural Network Model to Predict Criminality Using Image Processing was removed from the website at the request of the faculty involved in the research. The faculty are updating the paper to address concerns raised. Yep. Yep. So they've backspaced the entire paper and the little carrot is just blinking in the top left-hand corner. All right, boys. What do we got? We got to get get back on the old horse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They've retitled the paper, We Are Not Racist. And then that is also the full text of the paper. Yep. So, uh, what else is in the news? I'm flapping a big newspaper open. Imagine that. Imagine holding a microphone and trying to read a broadsheet. I, uh, no, thank you. Every now and then uh, when I've done things like the movie events or whatever where I've had to hold a microphone, a piece of paper, but also been very committed to making sure I have my beer with me as well. Oh. Absolute shambles. If you've got to flip between multiple pages, you're really setting yourself up for failure. But you don't want to not have a beer up there. Hell no. It's a big no thank you from me. Um, now, while we do love pseudoscience, we love phrenology, we also, also love... Hmm. We also love sovereign citizens. We certainly do. <laughs> little, uh, little story in the ABC today which tickled me. It tickled my fancy just right. Uh, because... There is only one way for a sovereign citizen story to go. It follows a very, very distinct template, which is sovereign citizen does a thing which is against the law. Uh, Some representative of the law comes to talk to them about it. They deploy their well-practiced sovereign citizen speak, which they understand to be the silver bullet to the werewolf of big government. Despite no evidence that it has ever worked for anyone. Nope. Despite Wesley Snipes' jail time, (laughs) they still insist on uh, asking if they are being detained, you know, specifying uh, 
where in Australia's constitution it, it says that the government is a corporation, all that kind of fun stuff. Pointing out the lack of gold fringe on their badge or whatever. Yep. Is gold fringe bad or good? Have we worked that out yet? I'm sure there's a split in the in the, in the community, you know? No, you're right. There is only one story. It's sort of like Zelda. Mm-hmm. It's just the same story being told over and over again, but every time it's new and wonderful. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, the inevitable resolution is that the representative of the law says, shut up, you're coming with me. <laughs> so um, And there's a battle with Ganon at the end or something. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so... This is from the ABC, not the American one. Don't want to have to say that again. A self-declared, quote, free spirit man who told South Australia's Supreme Court he is independent of society and lives free from law and government has lost a year-long legal battle over a parking ticket. (laughs) And of course, like, if it's going to happen anywhere, it is going to happen in South Australia. Hmm. I, um... Now, like we were saying, there's there's always there's always some type of libertarian mysticism that takes place here, where like you have you have the secret instructions that completely nullify the power of the government. It's just that nobody else knows that they should use it. Um, apparently, this guy's one, which I've never heard before, but is very good. Is Timothy Noel Rossiter also argued that he displayed a sign stating "Notice." private property, no trespassing, on his windscreen, and the inspector did not have permission to attach the ticket in question to his car. Imagine so thinking that, that was going to hold up does in Does that court. mean that, the, like, to me, the attaching of the ticket to the car is a courtesy? You still The, the ticket's still in the system. You're still going to have yeah. to pay the fine. It's just that it's, it's just one of, um, I think it's one of the universe's and like the wonder of creation's beautiful elements that a parking ticket so perfectly fits under a snapped um, windscreen wiper. Yeah. Weird. Weird coincidence, hmm. that one is. Um, now, apparently that didn't fly with the judge to say, uh, 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 I said, I called no touchies on my car. Um Handing down his judgment, Justice Mark Livesey said the case involved, quote, legal nonsense and <laughs> was an unnecessary waste of scarce public and judicial resources. He said Mr. Rossiter had been issued a parking ticket for breaching a 30-minute time limit in the Adelaide CBD in April 2019, but according to a judgment published this week, he challenged the notice using a 2012 letter that denied his consent <laughs> to be governed. <laughs> Yeah, but do you look at the letter to say uh, laws don't apply to me? <laughs> have you seen this note from my parents? <laughs> Timmy doesn't have to go to law today. Yeah, it says I've been excused from all. <laughs> it says I've been excused from all prison and rope climbing. <laughs> Timmy doesn't have to live in society today. That's right. So you know, free to put his joke makeup on. <laughs> didn't fly. Um. <clears throat> My truth and law exists inside of me, Mr. Rossiter wrote to the Adelaide City Council. If anyone does revoke uh, or deny consent, they exist free of government control and statutory restraints. That sounds you, true to me. Yeah, all you got to say is, no thanks. In the and letter, d- he called himself a free spirit man, but Justice Livesey said there was no evidence the letter was ever sent to the council, and its effect is, quote, 
most unclear. I, I never understand. There's a few things about these that I that I never understand. One, it's always parking tickets, right? <laughs> that they're going to lay down this life and death, like philosophical argument over a fucking you know ninety dollar fine. It's that or speeding fines. It's that or speeding fines, yeah. right? Because they because those little things that they're they're, they're all white men, so they're not going to get arrested for anything else. But two. If this is the stance that you want to take and you don't want to, uh, you know, be governed or live in a society, just go and die in the desert. Or no live in the fuck. desert, if you can. What's that? Or, or live. Live there if you can. I mean, well, like, have uh, a go at it. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I mean, look, yeah. That's that's sort of the thing that happens before you die in the desert. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. For a small period of time, you will technically be alive. You will in live desert. in the desert. That's this, right. This, of course, is... Briefly. The, this is the same conversation that tends to come up about libertarians who complain about, you know, having to pay for, oh, I don't have kids, but I have to pay money for other people's kids to go to school. Um, all this kind of shit. Um, but these are all the same people who enjoy driving around on roads, you know, hmm. that kind of thing. Well, he went to school, but he's done with that now. So he done. shouldn't have to pay it anymore. Done with school. I have also enjoyed uh, seeing some of the libertarian arguments out of like the the people protesting uh, shutdowns in America. Um, I particularly liked a video that I watched of a woman taking a... She'd taken her kids to a playground that her city had closed. And this cop was very patiently saying to her, Madam, the city has closed the playground. I'm going to need you all to go uh, because you're all gathered here and you're not allowed to. And And the thing that they keep repeatedly saying is, well, I'm a taxpayer. I'm a taxpayer and my taxes paid for this playground, so it doesn't make any sense that, like, I wouldn't be able to play on it. Yeah, and by the same token, as a taxpayer, I get to drive the tanks occasionally. (laughs) That's why you can just take a cop's gun. You can just (laughs) just grab it. I just take it. I get a go of that gun. If you only steal one out of 20 million guns, statistically, that's your gun. Um, and, and this went some on. Of the bullets too. So this this went on and on with this lady. Um, hey, I'm a taxpayer, which means that technically I own this playground. Well, and of course, white lady, bunch of white ladies with their kids there. Um, and he go like eventually this this cop is saying, "Madam, I've asked you a whole bunch of times. You have to the count of ten to get off the playground. Gather your things and your kids. Get off the playground. Ten. Nine and this lady goes, Oh, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna arrest me? Well, arrest me then. And turns around and puts her hands out and he goes, Okay, and just puts the handcuffs on her and walks her off the <laughs> All right, madam, you're being arrested. And um it doesn't go down well with her or the other ladies there. Apparently there is a limit to which you can push the police, even as a uh well to do white lady in America. And of course it immediately came out afterwards that she was like this lady is the sort of queen bee of the local anti-vaxxer community and was very deliberately filming this entire thing so that she could then go, oh, government tyranny, just like when you I'm get vaccinated. Oppressed. I hate being oppressed with my vaccinations. Uh, so apparently the letter, <laughs> the letter from his parents... Uh, according to the judge, quote, is incapable of having any bearing at all on the prosecution case, he said. It is incapable of generating any defense. 
The judge also noted that despite Mr. Rossiter's attempts to dis- uh, disengage from society, his letter sought to preserve his right to police protection and free education. Cool guy. Yep. Mr. Rossiter's case was first heard in the magistrate's course where instead of entering a plea, he spoke only the words, I am man, <laughs> but was found guilty and fined more than $1,700. All 11 grounds of his Supreme Court appeal were dismissed, including the consent and trespass arguments, and he was fined a further $680. The judge described his case as without merit and based on various pseudo-legal arguments. If he has acted on the advice of others, he is well advised (laughs) to stop doing so, he said. (laughs) Oh, that's great stuff. Imagine the self-confidence that man must have. This is such a, like, it's a tough one for me. Because with these things, because my my firm belief is that cops in their entirety should be abolished, mm-hmm. completely gone, shouldn't exist in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but also, watching someone who has this weird belief that if they like Wizard of Earthsea style say the right word, it will undo the fabric of reality, uh, and no laws would apply to them anymore. Just have a cop be like, "Nope, uh, what you just said was nonsense." I am going to give you a massive fine. It's very, very funny. Stop now, obviously, the perfect solution to this is to take uh, all of the cops in society and all of the libertarians in society, maybe place them in some sort of fenced-off area, maybe watch them in their interactions, and they can just sort of like, you know, the, the cops can oppress the libertarians, the libertarians can moan about it, uh, and we can go about our lives without having to deal with either of the, their bullshit. Some sort of uh, Battle Royale-style island. With cops and libertarians. <laughs> but a very asymmetrical one where the cops always win. But they're still stuck on the island at the but end. They're still That's stuck the on the island. Part. Yeah. With the libertarians. Uh, hey, I reckon that it might be time for a little segment we like to call Nature Corner. Country roads, take me home. Thank you as always for, to our beautiful patrons for providing the theme to Nature Corner. Uh, we have some important, important animal-related news for you here, folks. Now, <laughs> I'm just, just going to give you uh, the headline, I guess, <clears throat> from the Orlando Weekly. Insanely constipated Florida lizard just broke the record for biggest poop. And your screen is on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. So... This is where to, where to start with this, you know? <laughs> I'd say start at the start. <laughs> okay. After a steady diet of pizza grease and sand, a lizard in Florida <laughs> recently broke the record for largest crap relative to a living organism's body size. Recently published in the Herpetological Review, a team of herpetologists from University of Florida was tracking down reptile samples in Cocoa Beach when they stopped by a local pizza joint and discovered a bulbous northern curly-tailed lizard which had unusually large fecal bolus that made up nearly 
80% of its entire body mass. I reckon that'd feel pretty bad. <laughs> that seems like a fair guess. And you're not a herpetologist, right? No, no. Mm. I have been constipated in my adult life. Oh, God. You know, it's not a thing that happens to me often or anything like that. But what percentage was that fecal bolus? Are we talking a, are we talking a 15? I reckon it was way under 80%. Like it's like 20%. Way under. Uh, even under 20%. And I didn't feel good. I was like, you know what? Just realized it's been a bit too long. Feeling kind of uncomfortable all the time. But you can't get it out. And it definitely wasn't filling up um, the entire inside of my torso. I think that would feel bad. PhD candidate Natalie Clounch. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely chonch style name. Mm. Uh, she says her team just assumed that the female lizard's abnormally large size was because she was ready to lay eggs, ready to produce beautiful life. But when they took her in for a CT scan, it was revealed she was in fact filled with a giant poop. When we went to feel for her eggs, said Clownch, it just felt like it was full of silly putty. Oh, the silliest putty there is. Yeah, we just thought oh, that it was like full to the brim of eggs, which is not a disturbing thought at all. But no, it was crap. Oh the God. eggs would have been normal. Oh, the poor lizard absolutely smashes all known records for biggest relative crap, which was previously set by a Burmese python that dropped a deuce that was 13% of its body mass. I was blown away by how little room there was left for all the other organs. <laughs> if you look at the 3D model, it has only a tiny space left over in its ribcage for the heart, lungs, and liver, said Director of Florida Museum's Digital Discovery and Dissemination Laboratory, Edward Stanley. It must have been a very uncomfortable situation for the poor lizard. I think that's true. Oh, 80%. 80%. And if you look at the the photo from the article, the mm. the poor little lizard, he's not having a he's not having a good time of it. Sort of a um, oh, what's the Monty Python guy? Uh, Mr. Creosote. Oh. Yeah, it's a, sort of a Mr. Creosote uh, imagery he's got going on. Now, when you say photo, just to be clear, uh, are you talking about the image that I have put in the document? No, I'm talking about the one from the article. Um, All right. The so photo, you... and we are on the 3D rendering yeah. point of this article, so. Uh, is worth commenting that there is a wonderful um it's it's quite a it's quite an interesting so they they've ct scanned this um and then so when you do when you do a ct scan you can get different kind of um different levels of density and you can put like colors on them so normally they'd pull out like fatty tissue or or muscle or veins or whatever in this case, they've decided to um, map 80% of its body onto a kind of textured brown <laughs> thing. It seems um, like they've gone, computer, uh, load me up a poop texture. Yeah, give me that uh, poop texture, please. Hit me with that walnut-style 3D poop texture. It's kind of the shape of an avocado uh, making up the bulk of the size of this creature. It's truly terrifying. Oh my god. <laughs> let me let me hit you with the end of this article. Sadly, 
Clouch said that the team had to humanely euthanize the invasive lizard whose giant, unpassable crap was causing it to suffer from starvation. But at least the turd lives on in scientific literature. We are unaware of any records from wild or captive animals that approach our finding. Clouch said to Inverse, uh, we hope for the sake of the individual animals that there are not any out there. Now, when I first read this article... My understanding was that they were saying that this was a record for the northern curly-tailed lizard in terms of a uh, poop-to-body mass ratio. Yep. I did not realise until I, I read the study that they linked off to that this is a record for any living animal in recorded yep. history of largest feces-to-body mass ratio. Like, the example they give... Of another one was that thirteen percent from the python. It was, uh, yeah, it was they, the snake. They found another lizard in that same expedition that was at a thirty percent, uh, and they found uh, a couple of others that were uh, over around thirty percent actually as well. Uh, but of any animal in history, this is like earth-shattering, historic discovery <laughs> for how much shit you can fit in a thing. What an mm. incredible legacy! To have. What if this was like your one published journal article <laughs> in your life as a scientist? Uh, just staggering stuff. Poor little thing. I imagine they were trying to euthanize it, sticking the needle in, and it just kept going straight through into the shit. You know? I think they would have popped on the head with a little hammer. <laughs> <laughs> a little scientific hammer. Oh, they had to get a tiny scientific noose and wrap it around it and oh then get no, a little... No. They had to get this little stool. Oh. <laughs> this poor little thing. What a life. I don't know if... Uh, so this, obviously, this article that uh, we got this from is written in a, a very informal style. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In the Orlando Weekly, the <laughs> biggest news story, for, uh, news source for Orlando Bloom. Although, actually, news I, and I would associated. like to... I should. I don't think I probably credited it because I realised that this was actually uh, shared from one of their affiliate websites. Uh, let me just get the name of that periodical. Uh, this story originally appeared in our sister paper, Creative Loafing, Tampa Bay. Huh. I I wasn't expecting that to be uh-huh. any good when you got there. Creative Loafing. Creative Loafing. Uh, and we're not talking about taking a big shit. No. Well, well in, in this case, we well, were. We are, but, but that's not where they get the title of the thing from. Uh, creative loafing. Uh, but yeah, so my point is that, uh, obviously, so they're playing it a bit fast and loose with their wording. The The fact that they said that the previous record was that 13%, I think, was actually a misinterpretation of what was in the study. But I want to know if the steady diet of pizza, grease, and sand was them just sort of speculating or whether that was actually what caused this thing to become horrendously backed up. And does that open new avenues for research to see just how high they can get that number? <laughs> how much pizza can one feed to a, to a lizard? Well, now that we know that, that oily sand from pizza grease is the way that we could really get that number to go up. Now... Now, look, I've I've got another story here that I want to talk about. A little contentious with the fellas because... I I posit the position, I posit the theory that the story we just read is sad because uh, some humans were dicking around and then they killed a lizard. Now, clearly the lizard wasn't in a great way. 
But maybe if he hadn't eaten all that human-produced pizza, he wouldn't have been so goddamn constipated. So that's a bummer to me. What I do like is stories where um, people are dicking around and then an animal just gets the best of them <laughs> and the animal is fine at the end. Well, which is not the case in this story either. Oh, I didn't, I didn't read the last... All right. to, I didn't uh, read the last sentence of this. Okay, anyway, I still want to read this story. <clears throat> this is from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. The woman... <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, So, a woman was attacked by an alligator in a gated community in South Carolina. Um, She was visiting the homeowner to do her nails and was trying to touch the animal when it grabbed her, authorities said. Now, this lady did get eaten by this crocodile and die. And that's sad. You've said that that in a tone of voice that... What? Sort of kind of... Sort of implies that it's not sad that this woman... I said died it was sad. in an animal attack. Okay, all right. No, no you, was, said, you, you said you said yeah, no, and no. and you were clearly making the kind of bald fists. Are you accusing? In. Are you accusing me of doing the boohoo gesture right now? It did sound a lot like you were doing the boohoo gesture. That is, I'm look. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm taken aback, and I I just I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm very very offended. Uh, so anyway, the poor lady. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> uh, now, now, I, sorry, I don't like how they've written this article. Right? They've they've got it. They've got it structured all wrong. Yeah, it's because they're f- telling you the pieces of the information in the wrong order, right? Um, so I'm going to give it to you in the order that is a correct and b way funnier. Yeah, comically. yeah. It's like if you took the movie um, Memento tw- and Twenty One <laughs> Grams. I was going to say <laughs> took Memento and put it back in order. Um, or if you took the uh, fourth season of Arrested Development and uh, reordered it so that it was funny. Yeah. Or- mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Cynthia Covert, 58, came to Kiawa Island, a gated community southeast of Charleston, to give the homeowner a manicure on Friday, according to the police report. Uh, the woman told deputies that Covert typically was professional in her salon, but was relaxed and excited at the home, talking about her boyfriend's visit from Tennessee and bought a glass of wine with her. A single glass? That's quite strange. It? That does so imply she that, that she yeah. bought the glass, which is a horrible way to transport a liquid. That's very... Um, have you ever seen like all those photos of Rihanna leaving restaurants with a glass of wine? I mean, I don't think I've seen all the photos. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've seen one. One. Well, there are many photos of um, of Rihanna leaving a restaurant and she has just taken the glass uh, that she was drinking wine out of at the time to go and just step into a car with. Um, and look, it's a boss move when she does it, but I get the feeling that it's a little different when someone turns up to your house to do a job. I also feel like if you're a not-celeb and you just like picked up a wine glass you had in a restaurant and walked outside, you'd be creating a massive licensing issue and stealing a glass that they had to pay for. Yeah, when you're a big celeb, they're like, oh, Rihanna stole one of our wine glasses. Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, so she bought a glass of wine with her. She saw the alligator while working on the woman's porch and when Covert finished, she started taking pictures of the alligator, the woman told deputies. The woman and her husband started screaming for Covert to get away from the alligator because they had seen it grab a deer a few days earlier, deputies said. Covert said, I don't look like a deer. 
and reached to touch the alligator when the animal attacked, according to the report. <laughs> now, okay, I am coming around to Andrew's point of view here. Probably not laughing maniacally. Uh, imagine like, like imagine people screaming at you. But there's an extremely long wind-up to this. Oh. Um, and, like, I think the point where I was doing someone's nails and then an alligator appeared would probably be the end of the story for me. I'd be like, nope. Uh, stop. I, I was back in the car, left my yep. glass of wine behind. Yeah, that's their glass of wine now. I'm I'm willing to give that up and I'm going to leave. But Not- no, instead it's like I'm gonna I gotta snap some pics of this bad boy. And you know what? Can't do it from all the way over here. Got an older phone, doesn't have all that zoom. You know, I it's also only got enjoy one lens. The concept that uh, in her mind this alligator had learned to only eat deer. Well yeah, they can only they can only pick their prey by silhouette. And they only recognize four-legged things as edible, I guess. Um, does she think it's a T-Rex? Does she think... what? Like, she's already gone right up to it. And they've been saying, we saw it take a whole deer. We saw this crocodile take a whole... This, this alligator take a whole deer the other day. Which is getting towards a people-sized animal. I would um, say larger. Right. I think, it, I think it depends on the deer, probably. Well, how much does and, the person. and the person. And mm. the person, yeah. Um, so she she just hand waves this away with the very, very simple explanation of, but I don't look like a deer. So what what would it be interested in with me? Now I'd better touch it. I was taking the photos. Photos were no good from over there. Had to get a bit closer. People are screaming. But I think I'm going to give him a little pat. So, the alligator has grabbed her and pulled her into the water. Uh, Much as she was warned it would. The husband and the neighbor have then grabbed a rope and thrown it to her. Um, Pulled her in where she has surfaced, still in the water. And she's standing there, uh, dripping with water has just been pulled into the water by a crocodile. And she takes this time to stand there with the rope and say, well, I guess I won't do that again. At which point she is suddenly grabbed again by the alligator and dragged underwater. And just to reiterate, uh, that I guess I won't do this again is a quote. That is a direct quote. That is she, not she us projecting the rope. that onto yeah. her behavior. We're she, not like mapping the movie Tremors, like something that someone would say in Tremors immediately before getting sucked underground uh, onto this situation. The only two quotes Fuck, attributed... Tremors again. The only two quotes attributed to this woman in this report are, I don't look like a deer and I guess I won't do that again. Uh, she was then pulled underwater by the alligator. Uh, police were unable to kill the alligator before it drowned her. It's not as funny. No, and this is obviously a, a tragic and immensely painful and distressing way to die, and you would just fucking hate for the circumstances of your death to be quite funny. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I guess it depends on your outlook on life. 
do you do you think if you had just said, well, I guess I won't do that again, and then you got dragged underwater, do you think before you went, you would think, that, well, that's pretty funny? Probably not. I think what? at that point you would be thinking, oh, fuck, oh, shit, oh, fuck, shit, fuck, probably. Maybe you'd be going out thinking, well, but my timing is impeccable, you know? Because that's what it's all about, you know? To Like, comedy is timing, as we all know. And to, to A, say, I don't look like a deer just before getting grabbed by an alligator. And then to say, well, I won't do that again before getting grabbed again. Those things are both perfect. It's just spot on. You couldn't write it, honestly. Well, you could, and it'd be in Tremors. Wouldn't be an alligator. Be a big worm creature. <laughs> That's certainly true. Mm. Good movie. I got to watch Tremors again too. I think. Maybe we should all watch Tremors this weekend. Maybe mm. why not? Oh dear. Do you think we can maybe do one more before we go? Uh, partially because I I don't want the last note on this to be a woman drowning uh, after being uh-huh. attacked by an animal. Uh, but also because this story is quite short and extremely funny. Okay. Uh, so this is a story from CNN. Uh, which I believe is an American publication. Uh, five-year-old driver on way to buy a Lamborghini pulled <laughs> over by Utah Highway Patrol. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been there. A five-year-old boy with $3 in his pocket was pulled over by police <laughs> in the US while driving his parents' car to buy a Lamborghini. God damn. The boy was driving the family SUV from his home in Utah to California after arguing with his mother, who said she would not buy the luxury car for him, Utah, Utah Highway Patrol said on Twitter, a highway officer spotted the vehicle weaving on Interstate 15 at 50 kilometers an hour, Utah <laughs> Highway Patrol said. <laughs> Authorities told CNN affiliate KSL-TV they initially thought the boy was an impaired driver. How old are you? You're five years old? Trooper Rick Morgan says in dash camera footage of the traffic stop. Wow, where did you learn to drive a car? This is a fucking fantastic question. Uh, Andrew, uh, how old are your children again? So my children are either side of this. They are four and six. Right. Now, can you imagine your six-year-old daughter driving a car on the highway? Uh, No. And I don't think she can either. (laughs) Probably good. I would say that lack of imagination is extremely beneficial to you. Also, I enjoy the fact that um, all the cops are just extremely impressed by this kid. It's like they've they've found a dog that can bark the alphabet or something. <laughs> Their first thought is like, this kid's got to go on TV. I mean, like, this is genuinely this quite impressive. Factor. Like, assuming the car's automatic, he's had to turn the ignition, put the car into gear, take the handbrake off, and uh, I don't know how the car was parked. We don't know if he had to reverse first or that was an all-forwards type situation. He's managed to navigate... To the interstate, because I can't imagine that he would live on the interstate. This is a five-year-old. I cannot get my head around this. That is uh, an enormous achievement. Uh, looks, the kid looks a lot um, bigger than a five-year-old. To it's me, a because, large kid, isn't it, in that photo? Well, and, and also, I, I can't... I mean, from the from the size of my own children the average size of my own children, who I understand to both be much taller than, than average, like for, for their ages, you know. Um, going off that size, I can't see how either of them could possibly press an accelerator 
and see where they were going at the same time or even to get down and press the the brake every now and then the only thing i can kind of imagine is that the kid is like you said with an auto putting it into gear and then you know if you put an auto into gear it will just pull itself along at a slow speed mm-hmm. but he's doing 50 k's an hour i mean yeah see so he's got to yeah. be he's got to be accelerating be and, the accelerator. Looking at, and looking over the dash at the same time now this is this is reminiscent and i swear to god this is true when I was like 10 or so, I would have a recurring dream. So my, my parents owned um, a, a van, like a kind of bigger than a panel van sort of thing. And like you said, the, the, when, when it's in auto, it just moves by itself. And, and I would have this recurring dream where I would hop in the van while no one else is around and the handbrake would come off and then suddenly the car would start driving. And I would just go through like fences, um, <laughs> through like schools, through the shopping mall, the whole time just going, I'm sorry, while this unstoppable <laughs> van just plows through everything. Now, that may or may not have something to do with the way that I then grew up and the person that I became. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not going to look any further into that. No. And why would you? And it wasn't to purchase a Lamborghini. Purchase a Lamborghini. That's just beautiful. Uh, The the article continues here. Uh, Officer Morgan told KSL TV he had to help the child get the SUV into park. He was sitting on the front edge of the seat so that he could reach the brake pedal to keep the car stopped while I was standing there, he said. Once he was pulled over, the child told the trooper he had intended to drive to California to purchase a Lamborghini for himself. He had $3. The starting price for a new Lamborghini is around $310,000 Australian. I like that the person that wrote this felt compelled to point out that $3 was not enough. This kid's a fucking idiot. <laughs> this dumbass child thought $3 would buy a Lamborghini, which is actually a lot more than $3. Uh, Officer Morgan said no one was hurt and it will be up to the local prosecutor to decide whether to file charges against the parents who had left the boy in his siblings' care while they were away from home. Hmm. Yeah, that's that kind of goes a bit further to explaining why, um, how he was able to do all of this in an unsupervised fashion. It's Which is the thing I only just found out that you can't do. What like, leave leave kids at leave home kids, with kids? You can't just like close like if you go to the shops or whatever. You can't just put your kids in the house and just hop in the car and drive away. What do you mean you only you talking, just found out you can't do this? Are you talking like legally or just as a general parenting I thing? Mean like morally or yeah. you know practically? <laughs> sure. I was I I think I think I said to my sister like why don't you just go to the shops and like what do we do with the with the kids they're like I don't know ten and eight or something just I don't know what 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 age is the wrong age to leave two children at home I feel like my parents started leaving us at home alone probably when I was about eleven or twelve I think that anyway. was, that was probably our cutoff. Yeah, and there's 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 different like amounts of time that you will leave kids home for as well. Like, um, I I feel like I used to go to like both of my parents worked, so I I went to like after school care, you know, um, where like one of them would eventually come and pick you up from school like six p.m. or something like that, you know. Um, and my <laughs> one of my my kid who's in year one, she really wants to go to like they call it afters at their school. And she's like, oh, I really want to do that. She thinks it sounds really cool. Like to, I don't know, to hang out with a group of other kids at school, after school or something. I actually used to be really jealous of the kids that did after school care. Really? Because it was a fucking bummer. After school care at the 
one of the schools that I went to, they had like a fucking Super Nintendo and a computer with Sim Tower on it. it seemed fucking sick. Uh, my one was just the the school hall, um, you know, with a stage on it where they had assemblies and shit like that. It was just here's fifteen kids in here, hang out. There's no Super Nintendo or anything going on. Mm. Oh, you, uh, you can kick a ball around, you know. There's also something like, at least for me as a kid, there was something super cool about being at school when there was like no other kids there. Like I used to get my dad to drop me into school when he went into work like super early. So I was at school like an hour before the other kids got there and I was like, I got the whole school to myself. This is pretty sick. cool. Going to reread the Lord of the Rings for the seventh time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I So... So I I feel like at some point, um, rather than do that, uh, we would just walk home like we're in sort of, I guess, walking distance from the school. Um, we'd just walk home and then be at home by ourselves for whatever period until the parents got home, you know. Um, and that was probably late primary school uh, to, to early high school kind of age, I think. But um, But yeah, like... You like legally, you can't like leave your kids in the car and run into the shops. Like you're just not allowed to do it. Can't, Probably for can't. the best. Yeah, which um overall is definitely for the best, but definitely also sucks when you have like a baby, um, and you just want to like run into a servo and grab something like some milk or whatever because you got to do the entire getting them out of the car seat. In some cases, waking them up from being asleep. Uh, and walk inside a place so that you can do a 12-second-long transaction mm-hmm. and then go and start putting them back in the car again and all that sort of thing. But I'm kind of happy to do that if it means that other people are not allowed to leave their kids in the car for, like, you know, several hours while they go to the pokies or whatever. Because that's never a good look. You know? Yes. So, um, in answer to your question, Theo... I think you've got to be at least around that kind of maybe maybe 12 years old age to be like left left at home for a bit. Uh, write in if you had neglectful parents who left you home very young for long periods of time and tell us what it was like. Mailbag at buntavista.com. Not if it's not funny though. If oh, it's it not has funny, to be funny. It's depressing or it's going to make us feel bad about a But also a don't try too hard to be funny. As well. Don't make it too funny. Yeah, don't, mean, it's be don't like outshine us either. Yeah, try and strike an, uh, sort of an effortless tone between making us feel bad for it being depressing or making us feel bad for being funny with us. Yeah, but but put a bit of effort into it, but not too much. Too much effort. Oh. Yeah, yeah, just shoot for that sweet spot. Yeah, the, uh... kind of kind of like our incursion. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to put too much effort into it. Then it looks like it just looks a bit contrived. Mm. Like, look up the name of the country so you can make sure that you're booking the right plane tickets. <laughs> but, <laughs> boat ride or whatever the case might be. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know. sometimes there's the there's the airport that's, like, in the city and there's the airport that's just way out the fuck nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, you probably, you probably want to book the way out the fuck nowhere one and kind of you're halfway to the guerrilla warfare that you're supposed to be committing. One time I, uh, I caught a bus to Houston... And there were like two stops. And I uh, I just was like, oh, I'm sure it'll be one of these. They're probably pretty close together. 
And instead of getting the one that's actually in Houston, I got one that's like 45 minutes out of town in the parking lot of a Burlington coat factory. Uh, it's great. It's really great. It's nothing. Um, I've 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 never done very well with like uh, public transport and buses and stuff like that. In that, I've sort of I've never had to do it for a prolonged enough period of time for like my commute because I've always either lived close enough to a school or whatever to walk or have got lifts or whatever it is, you know, or, or as an adult have just lived in Canberra and been driving distance to my work or riding a bike distance, whatever. Um, so I've had stretches of catching, uh, it's, it's always a bus. Trams, I could deal with. Buses, nothing worse than that feeling on a bus of looking around and going, wait, wait, I don't recognize this. Mm. No, that's that can't be. And then you have that period of time, that big window in between, starting to feel like you're pretty sure you're on the wrong bus, and then trying to pick the point at which you're gonna pull the trigger and get off that bus and try and figure out where the fuck you are and how long it's gonna take you to get back to like the point where you can then go in the right direction again. I had that happen once on a bus at uh no on a tram at nighttime in um in uh, Melbourne and like it was in winter so like all the windows were fogged up as well just couldn't see out the windows at all until some point when I was like I feel like I've been on here too long <laughs> like wiped a hole in the window and started looking at stop numbers and streets and gone oh no um on our on our honeymoon um we stayed at a place um in sort of like rural Italy for a few days and uh, had to take a bus out there, um, get off the bus in nowhere, which is not where the the B&B was. So it was like a, a, like a three or four K walk to the B&B, get like a kilometer down the road. And I realized um, everything that was in my back pocket which includes my wallet and passport. Oh, oh no! Has actually is actually not in my back pocket anymore. I've lost all of my money and all of my passport uh, in in rural Italy with nowhere to go. Uh, and we walked there, and we to- told we actually got to the place and told the story to to the lovely couple there, and they're like, like clearly. <laughs> this is the kind of shit that does not boomerang back in <laughs> in this town. Uh, they called it and they went out there and picked it up the next morning and someone actually turned it all in and managed to get all of my stuff back to me. It was incredible because we would have been super fucked. <laughs> wow. Uh, the Italians doing something the good Italians, for once. Yeah, some good stuff going on there. Thank you. Well, let's let's end the episode with a thank you to the nation of Italy. <laughs> thanks, thanks to the nation Italy. of Italy. <laughs> thanks, Italy. Uh, thanks. What's uh? Oh no, I suddenly can't think of thanks in Italian. Grazie. Oh, there we go. There you go. Grazie mille. Ooh, wonderful. Well, uh, thanks for stopping by, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.